A long time ago, my family lived in the Midwest. We lived in a town called Florissant, which means Valley of Flowers. And so as you can guess, it was a very uh, lush area and everyone grew flowers in their front yard. Everyone except me. Because whenever I planted flowers in my garden, they didn't live very long. After a few years, I gave up on the peer pressure. I decided to stop trying. I put beautiful mulch in my flower beds and just left it there that way. So you can imagine my surprise when one spring, grass started to grow out of my flower bed. I was so annoyed and I would go out and start trying to pull that grass out, wondering how did this grass get from that side of the sidewalk over here to this flower bed? Well, because I'm a kind of a lazy weeder, the grass won the battle after a while and was filling my flower bed. So one Saturday I decided enough was enough. And I went out with a tool that was going to dig deep and get all those grass roots and put an end to this infestation of grass in my flower bed. I opened the door, I looked at my grass and lo and behold, beautiful blue flowers. It wasn't grass at all. That's when I remembered the little Cub Scout den eight second grade boys that had planted like 200 bulbs in my front flower bed. Nothing ever came of them and I forgot completely about them, but now here they were blooming. Imagine what my flower bed would have looked like if I hadn't pulled out all that grass. <laughs> you see, things aren't always what they seem, are they? Especially when we are dealing with the sacred, the holy. And both of our scripture lessons this morning remind us of that fact. Think of the prophet Samuel. Samuel learned that things aren't always what they seem. When God sent him to Bethlehem to Jesse and Jesse's sons to anoint the new king of Israel, he stood in front of that tall, handsome, eldest son of Jesse, it was kind of like a Miss America pageant, you know? All of them lined up there. And with that first son in front of him, surely the one that would be the appropriate one to anoint as the next king, God then speaks to the prophet saying, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things human beings look at. Human beings look at outward appearances. They're swayed by exterior things, but I, says the Lord, I look at the heart. So the Miss America pageant continues and more sons of Jesse are brought before Samuel. They're all fine men, but none are chosen. And that's when Samuel asks, are there any other sons? Well, just that shepherd boy, my youngest, David, surely you don't need to see him. 
But Samuel's beginning to understand that there's more going on here than meets the eye. And he says, bring your son here. And the lowly shepherd boy arrives. He's dirty from the pasture. And God says, I choose him. Samuel anoints David that very day as king of Israel, leader of the people of God before his amazed and bewildered family. Surprise! God's choices are inscrutable beyond our ability to figure out. And God doesn't choose the way we would choose. God doesn't see things the way we see things. In a children's Sunday school class back in the olden days, as the children were gathered, the teacher's job was to tell the Bible story. Many of you remember classes like this. And the Bible story would go on and on and on. And this day, the teacher was describing to the children how the disciples were called by Jesus. In glowing terms, he went on and on talking about Jesus reaching out and choosing disciples. He would choose people who were poor. He would choose people who were ordinary. He chose fishermen, he chose tax collectors, simple working people, some people who had even done bad things. He went on and on hoping that the children would actually be impressed by Jesus' wisdom and power, by Jesus' compassion and inclusivity. And then the teacher made the classic mistake you never make with a group of children. He asked an open-ended question, right? He says, now, boys and girls, what does this tell you about Jesus? And there's this uncomfortable little silence. And finally, one cheeky little boy raises his hand and says, well, it tells me that Jesus is a lousy judge of character. <laughs> but we know the scriptures, don't we? From the least comes the greatest. The young shepherd boy, David, becomes the most powerful, influential king in Israel's history. Ordinary fishermen, tax collectors, they become the earliest recipients of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's more, they're commissioned to take that gospel to the ends of the earth. Without a doubt, friends, this has to be God's activity. God who lifts up the lowly, who chooses the unimpressive who makes the last first. So Jesus' teaching in Mark's gospel, his parable about the kingdom of God, should not surprise us. What is a good image for God's kingdom, said Jesus? What parable shall I use to explain the kingdom of God, he puzzled. I know. The kingdom of God it's like, well, it's like a tiny mustard seed. A mustard seed? Really? That must have gotten everyone's attention because no one in Jesus' day would intentionally plant mustard seeds. They were small, annoying little seeds that actually lay hidden among larger, more important seeds like wheat or beans. And when farmers would plant their crops, these mustard weeds would just sprout up to the dismay of farmers. Mustard seeds? Yes, says Jesus. 
The kingdom of God is like that tiny, insignificant mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds. Yet when that seed germinates, it grows and it grows and it grows until it becomes, well, a respectable shrub of a weed three to five feet high. A weed? The kingdom of God, a weed? Yes, Jesus continues, it's a shrub of a weed large enough for small birds to perch in its branches. Very small birds. Well, that's impressive, but only moderately impressive. I mean, who likes being compared to a weed? I don't. Who wants to be part of a kingdom that is so, well, ordinary? Who wants to pour your life into something so unremarkable? Well, pay attention here, my friends. Pay close attention. This small parable about a tiny seed and an unimpressive weed has much to teach us. This parable exposes our search for God and for God's activity in the big, in the impressive, in the spectacular spaces of life. That's where we look for God. That's where we expect for God to hang out. This parable exposes our misunderstandings of following Jesus, expecting that in following Jesus, we will always have huge victories and spectacular achievement for the gospel every day, all the time. And I'm afraid it exposes our unrealistic thinking about the church, anticipating signature life-changing ministries and huge growth year after year, or else, or else, well, we just might have to move on somewhere else. As some of you may know, I just returned yesterday from our denomination's biannual, biennial church conference. We call it the General Assembly. At this meeting, Presbyterians from all over the country and partners from all over the world get together, we gathered for the last 10 days in St. Louis. We gathered to pray, to worship, and so that we could discern our way forward as a denomination for the next two years. In all honesty, I found the assembly this year a breath of fresh air. I found it challenging and inspiring at the same time. For me, after a lifetime of involvement in the church, General Assembly is really part family reunion and part learning opportunity. So I'm gonna share with you the one thing I learned, the one thing that God laid on my heart this week, and it's this, that I've grown a bit jaded and cynical about what God might be doing in our denomination. That's what I learned. I also learned that I've forgotten the parable of the mustard seed that things aren't always what they seem in the kingdom of God. At this assembly, I sat through the debate and the acceptance of a proclamation. Yes, we made a proclamation as a denomination, denouncing the separation of families at the border. This proclamation um, asked the leaders of our nation to try and unite families 
that have been separated and asked that vulnerable children be protected. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was proud that our church took such a stance. Most of the other churches in our nation have taken the same stance. But I found myself thinking, what good, what good can this possibly do? And then money was set aside by our General Assembly to work with our partner church in El Salvador, a church that is um, on the front lines working to combat gang violence in that country, as well as other Central American countries. Very important work because that is what's fueling much of the migration to our border. And so the denomination put some money aside to work in that ministry. Again, I was proud of that work, very good to go to the root of the problem, proud of that insight, but I found myself thinking, what good? What good could such a small amount of money make? It wasn't even the money that we spend in a year in our own mission work here in this church. Well, thanks be to God, sitting next to me was a young woman 25, just ordained in the Presbyterian church. She was watching this whole thing along with me. And she leaned over to speak to me and her voice and her face were just radiant. She said, this is so exciting. I am so glad to be part of a church working on these important issues. There's just no telling what God will do with this proclamation and this partnership. Isn't this wonderful? Boy, she exposed my cynicism. <laughs> and she reminded me, in God's kingdom, things just aren't always what they seem, are they? Friends, judging from the parable of the mustard seed, God sees things differently. And God sees things we can't see with jaded and cynical eyes. And evidently, judging from this parable of the mustard seed, Jesus teaches us a new reality, a reality that we need to pay attention to, the small things, the ordinary things, the things that the world might deem of little account, such are the things that God uses, Jesus says. Fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, you can't even begin to imagine what God will do with you, Jesus taught. You may just be a small group of faithful friends now, but in God's time and in God's way, with God's help, you will seed the coming kingdom of God. Things are not always what they seem. Those same disciples, I'm sure, watched the crucifixion of our Savior and, I, and thought, what a waste. What can this possibly have to do with the kingdom of God? There were some then and there are some now who would look at the death of Jesus, an innocent man, a good teacher, and think, well, that goes to show you. No good deed goes unpunished. Evil always wins in the end. What a waste. How pathetic. But thanks be to God, things are not always what they seem, are they? Thanks be to God, from that execution, God's love brought forth resurrection and life, hope and power. That's why we're here. In God's time, in God's way, like a bush weed coming from a tiny seed, God's activity rushed into our world, our fallen sinful world, and made a way for us to eternal life.
God's hidden work still does that, still transforms and unfolds in our lives and in our world all the time. And so often it begins in small and simple and unspectacular ways. Without a doubt, things aren't always what they seem. So what about us? What about you and me? And what about this, our church? Could it be that in the mysterious ways of God, things are not always what they seem with us or with Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church? Could it be that God looks at us and sees things that we cannot? The truth is some of you don't think you are good enough, that you have enough, that you know enough, that there's enough time or energy or ability to contribute to the kingdom of God. If so, you need to remember the mustard seed. Small and seemingly insignificant things make a huge difference. A smile, an encouraging word, a pat on the back, a helping hand. The kingdom of God is made up of such things. Some of us make easy judgments concerning the merit and the value of various leaders or members of the church, easy judgments concerning groups or ministries within the church, easy judgments concerning this church or other churches. Let us remember God's words, I anoint the ones I choose. God doesn't look at outward things the way we do. God looks at the heart. To those who feel they're out on a hillside all alone tending sheep or children or working hard for an uncaring employer or other lowly chores, thinking no one will ever notice, no one will care, remember God's call to the lowly shepherd David. To those who so quickly and easily judge the church for its outward faults, and there are many, remember God sees things we cannot. And thankfully, God sees power and mercy and grace where we are blind. What matters for each of us and for this church, it isn't our past. It isn't our pedigree. It isn't our budget, our vocation, our physical stature, our natural abilities. What matters is our heart and the ability to respond when God calls. So that means two things. If you're asleep, you can wake up now and get the main point of the sermon. <laughs> Got it? Two things. One, it means there is never an excuse for turning down God's call to serve. There is never an excuse, not for you, not for me, and not for this church. And two, that even our most feeble attempts, our most half-hearted efforts, our smallest moves forward can be blessed and used by God. And they are day after day after day. Things are not always what they seem, my friends. And I challenge you. I challenge you, no matter who you are, no matter how you may have failed in the past, no matter what you lack, what limitation you believe you have, in God's eyes, it doesn't matter. 
God can and will use you in your family, in your work, in your community, if your heart is willing. And I challenge us as a church, even on this sleepy summer Sunday morning, I challenge us, no matter what we have gone through, no matter what mess we might face next, no matter what our staff might look like in the future, it is God who anoints this church, it is God who calls this church, and we must step up to the challenge, even when we look and feel like weeds, <laughs> even when we are surrounded by weeds, because things are not always what they seem, and God uses weeds all the time. Of such is the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Amen.